Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here at last with the entire crew. In our New York studio, we have Mike Hogan, the digital director of Vanity Fair. Hey, Katie. In Los Angeles, we have our film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And Joanna, I don't even know where you are in California. You're our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Where are you today? In our Oakland bureau, obviously. (laughs) It's been a busy uh, month. Uh, Richard is on his way to the mountains of Utah for Sundance. Uh, Joanna's been traveling back and forth for TCA. It's snowing all over the East Coast. Uh, It's been wild, but we're all finally back in one uh, Google Hangout at the very least. And it's a good time because Oscar nominations are happening next Tuesday. Uh, next week's episode will come out immediately after the nominations are announced, so you guys can look forward to some somewhat instant reactions from all of us. Uh, but we wanted to take this episode to predict what's going to happen as best we can. So later in the episode, we'll talk to Richard Lawson about his uh, Sundance predictions and what's going to what he's expecting out there. But first, we're going to get into the Oscar nominations. The nominations will be announced next Tuesday, the 23rd, at the crack of dawn, as usual. And as we keep talking about, it feels like an unusually hard year to predict much of anything. The Golden Globes uh, really only made things more unclear. The SAG Awards will happen between now and when the nominations are announced, which uh, may make room for some surprises that then bear out during the nominations. It's really hard to know. Um, But before we get into the main categories, I wanted to just kind of dive into the technical categories, which is everything kind of so-called below the line, which, you know, sound mixing, animated feature, costume design, all of that stuff. Um, Mike, you updated your Gold Derby predictions today, uh, which includes all these categories. Are there any, is there anything you're watching for in these technical categories that will be either an indicator of best picture strength or just something you're really rooting for so dunkirk is leading in sound and in film editing but then you know in visual effects a lot of people seem to think it's going to be war for the planet of the apes um for costume design you've got the phantom thread uh for um you know for makeup and hair it looks like darkest hour there's a lot of different movies that are in the best picture mix or some that aren't like war for the planet of the apes um that that are picking up and leading in different categories we don't know that this is how it's going to shake out but often these guys you know the 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 experts on here kind of know what they're know what they're talking about and so um it's it's not the and, and dunkirk is not really anybody's favorite to win best picture either so it's it doesn't seem like one of those years where you're going to have somebody come in and just crush everything i do think that if um if you see shape of water picking up a whole lot of things that people now think are going to go to dunkirk's shape of water seems like the one actual best picture possible winner that has like real below the line uh, possibilities and, and and could kind of put together something like that but it, it does seem like you know shape of water is is definitely in the mix for production design but so is dunkirk and 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 so is blade runner so um it's uh i don't know i think it's a mixed vi- view right now but what are you, what are you seeing katie uh, I mean, I think I was going to point out that Shape of Water seems to pop up in everyone's nominations, kind of in like second or third place. And I think if it winds up getting like really running the table in all these nominations, it seems very possible that it will get the most nominations of any film uh, because it's a contender for Best Actress and Best Director and all of that, um, which I think could really boost it. You know, anyone who's been putting off watching their screener would want to watch it if it's the most nominated film. Uh, I just kind of at this point, just feel like I want to root for my favorites. Like I am not the biggest fan of the film Mudbound, but I think it's beautifully shot. And Rachel Morrison, the cinematographer, she won the best cinematography prize from the New York film critics circle and a couple of other critics groups. I think she would be the first female cinematographer ever nominated, which is so crazy to me. Um, so, so I don't think Mudbound is necessarily a, uh, a front runner to win. You know, you've got Roger Deakins in there for Blade Runner who would finally win his first Oscar, which is madness. Uh, you got shape of water and Dunkirk, but I'm really just pulling for a nomination for Mudbound bound um that would feel like a big win for me on tuesday joanna how about you what do you do you have any uh, rooting interest in this i want to see sort of acknowledgement for dunkirk some justice for dunkirk below the line since it feels like it's going to get shut out uh in in the top categories um but i i kind of like this pervading theme of the year which is that everyone is getting a little something do you know? So I don't want one film to to dominate all the technical awards, as is sometimes the case. And so I would love to see a Shape of Water here, a Blade Runner there, um, and and sort of spread those categories out among all the contenders. Richard, what are you keeping an eye out for? My big hope is that uh, Johnny Greenwood will win for Phantom Thread score. Yeah. Or oh, I hope he gets nominated. Like I'm concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, that could not be nominated. I mean, I think that um, Alexander Desplat for Shape of Water, who won the Golden Globe, seems like the front runner. You know, I just love that 
that score. And Mike, I see you have it as your number one on Gold Derby. But yes, it's it's really good and not my favorite movie of the year, but but my favorite score for sure. It's wonderful and it really sets the tone of the movie so well. And also, you know, I have to say, I was on the plane out here to Los Angeles, and um, I know that it's like probably the worst plane movie ever, but I did rewatch like half of Dunkirk. <laughs> Christopher Nolan just like keeled over when you said that. <laughs> His blazer just burst into flames. Yeah. That movie is so, you know, it came out so long ago, I, I sort of forgot how technically just exquisite it is. And um, as much as it maybe isn't, it didn't like connect with me the the, the most this year, I, I, it just, it really should win in some of these technical categories. I don't know which ones exactly, but like, it would be a crime if that movie walked away with nothing. Yeah, just further proof that Christopher Nolan is the Charlie Brown of the Oscars, and they're just going to pull that football away from him as many times as they can. And I know, Aww, I, know buddy. <laughs> I know this very rich and talented and totally successful director needs our sympathy. Uh, but I do. I kind of feel for Christopher Nolan these days. Uh, one, just one last thing I wanted to point out in the best original song category, which is dominated. It's a really weird category this year. Like last year, La La Land kind of had it all locked, all locked up and there was this Disney hit. This year, it's like The Greatest Showman and then the song from Coco. But uh, I'm really pulling for Sufjan Stevens to work his way in there for his Call Me By Your Name songs, which I still don't know if I love in the context of the movie, but the songs themselves have really grown on me. And I just, I love the idea of Sufjan Stevens performing at the Oscars. Like what a crazy contrast that will be. So I'm pulling for that too. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, Katie, about not loving the songs in the context of the movie. I, I like the last one, Visions of Gideon, the other one that plays yes. earlier in the film. That f- kind of takes me out because the rest of the score has been orchestral and either classical or sort of new classical. You know, Sufjan performing on the Oscars reminds me of, sort of a little bit of when Elliot Smith performed for Good Will Hunting <laughs> yeah. 20 plus yep. years ago. And he was so swallowed up by this big stage, and it was kind of just this really dichotomous thing. Although I think Sufjan, who does put on a big show when he does, you know, he goes on tour, I feel like he might relish in the opportunity a bit more than Elliot Smith did. Isn't that where that great story came from, where like Elliot Smith was nervous to perform and Celine Dion was super nice to him? And ever after that, he was <gasps> like, she's a goddess. I didn't know that story. And Elliot Smith just like, she was so nice to him. And Elliot Smith in interviews was like, before that, I thought she was trash. Now I think she's just a goddess and the wonderful, like, the nicest person so my hope is that not only does Sofian Stevens get nominated but that like he makes an unlikely connection with another like Mary J Blige yeah. or something yeah um, another friendship <laughs> is born well I, I gotta say on on best song I'm I am rooting for greatest showman only because I'm, I'm not supposed to talk about anything that happened at the Golden Globes but the only thing I'll say is that I sat with Keela Settle who sings that song and who was so overwhelmed by emotion that it took her about 30 minutes to come down from the high of, of being called out from the stage. So anyway, now that I've been part of that, I'm rooting for her. Sufjan has a lot of things going for him. He'll, he'll be fine. Well, speaking of Sufjan somewhat, that might be a good time to get into uh, the adapted screenplay category, just to start going category by category. Because uh, adapted is, so usually this is where you get like adaptations of great books, or you get like something that's like a play brought to the screen, like Fences last year. And this year it is basically Call Me By Your Name and then anybody's guess of what's going to get nominated. Uh, Mike, I guess we just have to keep calling you out because you've put your predictions all in Gold Derby very recently. Um, You want to call me by your name in the top slot, as I think everyone would, but uh, what else do you think is going to fill this category out? I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know what those movies are. Those were the other, those were the movies that everybody, I was just like, fine, whatever. This is a bizarre category this year. I don't understand how how it's it It's a silly category because it's like, who else wants to have their name read out when right before Call Me By Your Name inevitably wins, right? Yeah. And people say that the book isn't even that good. I've heard. I don't know. Oh, Has like anyone the read book. the book? Yeah, I read it. I liked okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it transports you. But it's not, I mean, like the film definitely like pluses the book. By the way, like the best movies are made from like average books, right? Like you can't really turn a great book into a into a great movie. So that that's that's a little tip out there for all the <laughs> screenplay adapters out there. I think the best movies are made from like either you're right, just okay books or really like slim books. Um yes. novellas and Common by Your Name is a pretty slim book. Yeah, you, you just don't want to be overwhelmed by your source material. You guys are nuts. Common by Your Name the book is wonderful and beautiful and everyone should read it. <laughs> no, okay. I'm being silly. Uh, no, Mudbound obviously is great and Logan is really good. The one that's on everybody's list and I know it's going to get nominated but I couldn't put it on my list with all due respect is is Molly's Game. That's the one where I just really I got trouble with that. Because you're not a fan of the movie or just you can't uh, you can't get down with another Sorkin nomination? Yeah, I n- no, because the movie. No, I mean, I, I'd be happy to have a, a well-deserved Sorkin nomination. And, and I think he will get nominated. But to me, it's like, this is my constructive, hopefully, criticism of, of Molly's Game. 
I feel like Sorkin should work with really strong directors like David Fincher, mm-hmm. who can take the best of what he's great at and also bring like really great, you know, visual style and 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 offset. I mean, I, I just like if you think about the social network, it starts with one of those crazy Sorkin-y rat-a-tat-tat conversations. And then, you know, he slows everything down. He's got the Trent Reznor score and you have an overhead view of uh, Mark Zuckerberg walking across Harvard Yard or whatever for like two minutes and that to me is like really good illustration of when Aaron Sorkin is at his best and to me it's just you know I I feel like the um the narration in Molly's game is doesn't really work and it's just like it's so breakneck that it's really hard to kind of like settle into the character so that's my criticism of it but I, I imagine it'll get nominated but I feel like it feels to me like one of those sort of obligatory things rather than like wow this is it but but on the other hand we're, we're clearly in a, in a pretty weak year if, if if all the money in the world is in there and all the rest of it. I have a disaster artist opinion, which has nothing to do with any controversy surrounding anyone who might be in that film. But if it gets nominated, and if like by some weird fluke, it were to win, I would like um, the screenwriter Scott Neustadter and Michael Weber to bring up Greg Sestero, who wrote the book that this is based on. And I feel like Tommy Wiseau is getting like all of the like, hey, this is the real guy sort of like attention at the at the in the award circuit. But Greg, if Greg hadn't written that book, co-wrote that book, but if Greg hadn't done that book, then they wouldn't have made this movie and it wouldn't have been here at all. So I think, you know, justice for Greg Sestero is, is my point. There you go. That's a good point. The one I'm seeing on Gold Derby as I sit here on this couch in Venice Beach that keeps coming up is Wonder. Yeah, what's up with the that? Surprise Julia Roberts, Jacob Tremblay joint that would be an Oscar nomination for Stephen Chbosky, uh, who wrote years ago Person of Being a Wallflower and has now sort of turned himself into a filmmaker. He directed Wonder like he did uh, the adaptation of his own movie. So that would be kind of an interesting narrative. I have to admit, I haven't seen that movie. Am I the only one of us who's seen it? Because I was really charmed by it. You, are, you probably are. By the way, the other place where Wonder is very, uh, you know, yeah, is in makeup. Everybody's saying it's going to get a nomination for makeup. So I guess we'll, we shall see. I mean, it's hard to beat Churchill face, but, you know, you can try. Okay, so on to the original screenplay category, where unlike Adapted, it is a complete mess. Uh, basically, every major Best Picture contender is in here, um, ranging from Lady Bird and Get Out, which are these you know, huge critical hits. You've got The Post, which is an adaptation of Catherine Grant's memoir, and I don't totally understand why it's in this category. But anyway, um, you've got Martin McDonough, who you know has won an Oscar for a short film before. Uh, my personal favorite, The Big Sick, which I feel like in any other year could win this category, is like angling in for a nomination. I mean, this is... Uh, Oh, we're all going to get our hearts broken here, right? This is the big six best shot, and I still think it's a long shot, and that's sad, and I and I'm sorry for that. Um, but I, I was talking with some people in LA about this earlier in the week, where I was like, "Is this a place where you know Camilla and Johnny and Emily Gordon get in for the big sick?" And then, as you just pointed out, someone said to me, "No, every other best picture nominee is nominated in that category. Like it's a ridiculous category." Um, I think of late we've been sort of dividing between Lady Bird and get out as our thoughts on this category but three billboards obviously making a late surge um after the golden globe so you know and it's hard it's hard to ignore martin mcdonough as a as a writing force in general uh, even if i didn't really particularly love this movie so I give Kumail an enormous amount of credit for like basically using his Twitter to to get into the Oscar conversation this year, and I think it's a it's a good movie. I feel like he will make uh, Oscar y movies in the future, but like this one to me just did not quite rise to the level. It's like a it's like a perfectly good comedy. It's hard to see it beating out you know Lady Bird, Get Out, Three Billboards, Darkest Hour, The Post, or so like you know Shape of Water, like all these things that really you know not all of them have a shot real shot. I mean, the interesting thing is the post because I really expected that to have more. It, if the big sick doesn't feel like an awards movie, the post totally feels like an awards movie, but it's possible the big sick could get in here and the post could be could not. Probably in a way the big sick is more successful at what it's aiming to do than the post is, I guess, in the sense that the ho- the post is a little hokey. But I mean, it's a damn Spielberg movie about like standing up for press rights in the, you know, in the Nixon era. So I I just feel like it's it's a long shot, but a lot of critics seem to 
th- think otherwise. Richard and I talked about this some last week that the posts, you know, between the Globes where it got shut out and then the BAF denominations where I believe it got totally shut out there. It's been having a weirdly hard time sticking, which I don't think any of us expected. Yeah, I kind of wonder if maybe that's because like it's the kind of thing where that that everyone forgot to vote for because they assume everyone else voted for it. I don't know. I really I want to go back and like give myself credit to say that this was like a New York yeah. media, LA media divide on this movie. Coming out of that screening, I heard you guys, like the people who were in that New York screening were just like, this is it. And LA was like, we don't care. Um, so <laughs> Didn't we talk about the question of whether Hollywood would side with the press or whether Hollywood would, in the midst of all the stuff that's been going on, be like, yeah, we hate the press too, actually. They torture yeah. us. Siding with the Nixon administration is a popular move uh, here in 2018. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that great great seth meyers joke of like bringing out all the globes for the post at the top of the of the ceremony and then the post not winning a single award that was cruel <laughs> like, wasn't it i mean come on I, but he, like i don't think he did that on purpose i thought he thought it was gonna win you know what i mean so it was pretty hilarious sorry steven will be fine he'll be fine i know we're just talking about predicting nominees versus what's gonna win but like this is, like you said, Katie, the real heartbreaker category because, like, I mean, I think it's going to be Get Out or Lady Bird uh, fighting it out, except that maybe Three Bulbers is just going to come and knock them both out. And and that could mean that le- neither Lady Bird nor Get Out win anything yeah. uh, at, at the awards show. And these two really beloved movies, uh, I'm just con- concerned that all of the eggs in, the, in these, these two baskets have some, somehow fallen in this category. And we're going to uh, walk away with possibly two upsets. But here's the crazy thing, and we'll get into this as we go further. I can see Get Out Lady Bird or Three Billboards all winning a whole bunch or winning nothing. Like, it really feels like the pendulum could swing wildly in any direction for those films, which might be a good chance to talk about supporting actor, um, because since Sam Rockwell won the Golden Globe, uh, as Joanna, you were pointing out before we started recording, a lot of people on Gold Derby are like, well, he's winning. And even though Willem Dafoe, as we kept talking about, was winning so many Critics Awards, it really felt like people were rallying behind him. And as much as Critics Awards don't always predict the Oscars, like, a lot of times they can help select a front runner, which felt like that had happened. Um, Mike, you didn't give up hope on him, though. So you you think Willem's still going to pull it through. I mean, we're talking about nominations, but obviously we're down to like a two front runner category here. Yeah, look, there's a long way to go. Sam Rockwell has the benefit of being like one of the nicest guys in Hollywood that everybody likes, right? Um, and Willem Dafoe is a little more of sort of like a weird New Yorker guy, but like he was at the Globes, you know, being friendly and talking to people. So I think he's going to, he's going to campaign. I think that, you know, looking at the characters, obviously, um, Willem Dafoe's character, I think is, is more likable. He's sort of heartbreakingly lovable for the most part. Um, whereas Sam Rockwell's character is very hateable and is kind of a symbol of a certain thing that a lot of people don't like about America right now and, and about this, maybe even this movie. Um, so I don't know. I still think I still, and Willem Dafoe is like, is one of those actors, actors, like everybody knows that he, you know, used to do a ton of theater. Um, I I don't know if he does that much anymore, but he was like very, very involved in experimental theater and avant-garde theater in New York. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think Oscar can reward, even if the HFPA doesn't quite get it. I think that they may be over-interpreting an HFPA award for a movie that, frankly, I, I, you know, Richard, I think the first thing you said about Three Billboards is it seemed like, you know, a movie that didn't quite understand how race works in the United States. And I think that, you know, even though I liked it a lot while sitting in it, I've, I've really like kind of come to agree with a certain amount of the critique. And I think that the HFPA was sort of uniquely positioned to not get the critique and maybe not even ever hear it. So I still think that movie has is going to face a little bit of headwind with, you know, the new kind of membership of the Academy. And I think Rockwell, I don't know. It's it's also like it's just not a likable character. And, and usually you I don't know. I, what do you guys think? I've been rambling. So Sam Rockwell was by no means like a super surprise win at the Golden Globes because he was an early favorite. We talked about that on this podcast. But, you know, this is this is a good reminder that last year Mahershala Ali was winning all of the critics awards and then with all due respect, a baffling win for Aaron Taylor Johnson at the Golden Globes in that category. Marshall did not win the Globe. One of the greatest moments in awards history, in my opinion. <laughs> One of the greatest <laughs> moments in VF.com War Room Golden Globes viewing where everyone flipped out. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like when Sam Rockwell won, we were all like, what? You know, we're like, okay, yeah, you know, we. but it's still like, I don't 
particularly in that category, I'm not inclined to change my mind based on an HFPA's win. So the problem is, are people going to see the Florida project? And I know that people working on the Florida project really feel like you have to see it in a theater in order to truly like get the full experience. But I watched it on a screener. Admittedly, I had a fever and I was had the flu, but it was wonderful on a screener. Everybody should watch that film and don't be don't feel like you have to go uh, be in a theater, like watch it where however you can watch it. And I, I just think this is a really beautiful, touching performance by by an incredible skilled actor you know I, I i don't know i mean they're both they're both very good performances but man that that willem defoe performance is really electric i think uh so watching how the rest of the category shakes out i think we are all certain that sam rockwell and willem defoe will get in but after that it does feel like anyone could get snubbed like people have, predict- have been predicting richard jenkins in shape of water for a long time it feels like he could get in but then you've got these the two guys from call me by your name army hammer and michael stolberg i've been some people michael stolberg since i saw the film in toronto and i'll be heartbroken if he doesn't get in um then christopher Plummer got a golden globes nomination for all the money in the world so like that feels possible all of a sudden and you've got woody harrelson for three billboards like i don't really know who you can count on beyond those two at the top yeah, I had dinner out here in LA with some people who are voters and not not from the Academy, but in other guilds. And they were convinced that Woody Harrelson was definitely going to get in. And were also sort of convinced that quite possibly neither Stuhlbark or Hammer could get nominated. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I kind of pushed back against them a little bit, but the more that they sort of laid out the case, I was like, oh man, that actually could happen. What is the case? That Three Bullbirds is, is so much more ascendant than we thought. And that in a way the um, call me by your name actors could kind of split the vote in some way. And I don't really know mathematically how that would work. They had kind of convinced me by the end of dinner. A couple people on gold Derby have Jason Mitchell and Mudbound on there, which is kind of crazy to me because he strikes me as so very much a lead of that movie. Um, but you know, category frauds, nothing new in the supporting category. Um, and then there's something weird about the army hammer thing, because I would definitely call his role supporting to Timothy Chalamet's in call me by your name. I don't know if it's just that army hammer is so leading man, handsome that there's like, that there's something weird about him having in that category. You know, like, I don't know if that's my prejudice. I'm like, he's too handsome and tall to be a supporting actor, whatever that means. So, um, I don't know. That's my weird neuroses. I thought I'd share with you guys. When you talk about having these two pairs of actors, like Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson from Three Billboards and then um, Hammer and Slobart from Call Me By Your Name, like, if you're going to pick one of these movies that has enough support to get two nominees in there, like, I think it's Three Billboards, even though I want it to be the two actors from Call Me By Your Name. So that, I, I like, I'm kind of preparing myself for a Woody Harrelson nomination because he's got these precursors and, he, like, people like him. And for good reason. He's Woody Harrelson. Everybody likes him. Like, I don't think a nomination for him would be resented by people, um, but I would just hate for it to come at the expense of Michael Stuhlberg, who I think is so amazing in that movie has been so good in so many things for so long, including Shape of Water, which he's also in this year. It's a fair point, though, what what your friends were saying, Richard, that if you think about it, you know, we might even be kidding ourselves about Get Out and Lady Bird. Like the, the, the two front runners so far kind of look like Shape of Water and Three Billboards, if you really, you know, and, and, and then I think of Get Out and, and Lady Bird as rounding that out. But as you said, they might neither win anything. So it'll be really interesting to see how that evolves and if those really are the two strongest movies of the year. It would be strange, but it's so there's so many movies this year. That's the thing. Like, and, and there just didn't seem to be room in the at the end for Call Me by Your Name. Although then we'll talk about actor and maybe Chalamet will win that. Um, well, talking about uh, Lady Bird and its fate in the season, we can get into supporting actress. Where again, it feels like it's down to a two person race between Alice and Janney of Itania and Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird. Although last week we watched Alice and Janney win both the uh, Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice Award. Uh, it feels totally possible she can win the SAG this upcoming Sunday. Uh, do we feel like that will make her a lock for this category at that point? I don't know about a lock, but I my gut tells me Alice and Janney will win. And I've seen Lady Bird twice. You know, Katie and I watched it together, weeping uh, at nine in the morning with, in my case, a hangover. Then I watched it again on a screener and it did not have the same power. Nothing could have had the same amount of power as that first screening. But I did sort of the second time through realize... Um, Again, not to make everything about how likable people are, but that's part of this. Um, that's a really rough character. It's a that Laurie Metcalf character is quite dark, darker than I realized the first time through. And even though I think Allison Janney, I think Laurie Metcalf's character performance is sort of more real. Allison Janney, even by virtue of the kind of theatrical nature of it, um, is sort of more fun and less dark and disturbing. And so, and and she's just kind of like fun to be around. So I, I have a feeling that that she's going to win. I respect you so much, Mike. And I think that that is 
the opposite of my take on the comparative likability of those two characters. I mean, Allison Janney's character is obviously horrific in every level, but by making it a little more theatrical, you sort of get a step back. Whereas the Laurie Metcalf character starts to really bore into your soul as like a, as a disturbing, as a disturbing mom. It's so funny. I I found maybe because of my own like family experience or whatever, I just found an, like enormous wells of sympathy for Laurie Metcalf and, and Lady Bird. And I just, yeah. I love that performance. And like, I hear you. I think you're right in terms of like, you know, Allison Janney went up on stage in the Golden Globes with a fake bird on her shoulder. Like the lady knows how to work a room. And just days before the Golden Globes, a bunch of people in LA were telling me like, Janney's going to win because everyone loves her. Just like we were talking about in terms of Sam Rockwell or whomever. And yeah, I can't disagree with that. Like I love Allison Janney. Who doesn't like, and there's probably a reason why she won has won so many awards for mom a sitcom on cbs that like barely gets talked about except for when allison janney wins an award for it you know what i mean even though it's much better than you would think it would be but um i i can't combat that but at the same time i just can't shake the feeling that laurie metcalf just really really deserves this award well, Richard, you've been stumping for Laurie Metcalf because you were like one of four people who watched Getting On um, on Showtime a couple years ago. Like she's been uh, she's been on your radar as kind of a genius for a while. Yeah, she's she's great. And, you know, I'm not the world's biggest Lady Bird fan, as you guys know. I mean, I like the movie, but I, don't, I, I didn't love it in the way that other people have. But um, I do think that she is um, really great in it. Uh, and as a representative of that movie, I think um, I would be more than happy to see her. Uh, get in there uh and yet and as much as i didn't like this movie there is a small part of me that's like kind of rooting for hong chow oh yeah she was uh, nominated at the golden globes i think she's nominated at the sag she's kind of a weird outlier representative of this movie that kind of came and went and like matt damon went out there doing bad press interviews and everyone seemed to want to move on from it but it does like because this you know the category comes down to these two at the top and then you've got like Holly Hunter of the Big Sick, which is not a huge hit. Mary J. Blige and Mudbound, which is not a huge hit. Like, it really feels like weird things could happen in there. I got to put, because I was super late to watching Phantom Thread, um, and I know we talked to Leslie Manville last year, but oh my God, is she great in Phantom Thread. So She's so great in Phantom Thread. She better be in that category. <laughs> like, I don't have high hopes for her winning, but she better get a nomination. So I have a probably ridiculous person on my list, which is Tiffany Haddish. It's not ridiculous. Uh, first of all, this is a category where we could very well have two African-American nominees and we could also have like an Oscar so white situation, given that Mudbound really, I, I, Mary J. Blige is so good in Mudbound, but I just don't know how many people have watched it and octavia spencer i shouldn't bet against her because everyone loves her but i just don't think she had that much to do in that role to me um and so to me it felt like maybe maybe tiffany could get in here i mean there's obviously a lot of excitement around her and i do think a lot of people have seen that movie um so so i don't know i don't i mean leslie manville is great um holly hunter is really good in the big sick this could be the big six only only uh nomination i think so we'll see what happens yeah, I think a Octavia Spencer nomination would be another place to see an indication of support for The Shape of Water. Like her, not like it feels like people are picking her both because they like her and because they love the movie and want to find places to reward it. Um, and you know, Richard Jenkins is in a somewhat more competitive category, so um, you know, watch for that on Tuesday morning. I, too. I know that I was in LA for the Television Critics Association press tour, but like you guys have ruined me for conversation starters, other than like award season. So we, I was talking to a lot of people. I feel like I went on a research trip to LA. About about like what LA thinks about uh, the Oscars. And what I was told about Octavia Spencer from LA people uh, is that she campaigns and she shows up. And so like that would, you know, help, you know, like not only did she win for the help, but like, you know, was nominated after that. So like she will, they know her, they know that she shows up and she plays the game and that's uh, above likability in town and performance of the film. That's part of it. Like, will you engage in this, three ring circus we're about to lay out you know what i mean well right and i think that's uh, going going back to the laurie metcalf allison janney conversation that's that's the other point against i think laurie metcalf who who is expected to not campaign quite as you know hard or as or as sort of charmingly as allison janney but we don't we don't know like who knows people can surprise you she's on broadway right now it's kind of one of those classic uh conflicts that keeps people out east during award season but i got i gotta say that like you know with all with all with all due respect to her talent 
talent because she's enormously talented. I think another reason why Jennifer Lawrence gets nominated for a lot of awards generally is because you just want Jennifer Lawrence at your award ceremony. It's just going to be more fun if she's there. The same is true of Tiffany Haddish. Like the awards, the whole thing will be so much more fun if Tiffany Haddish is involved. Plus, she's great in that movie. So, you know. And I just realized Chris Rosen's the only other nutcase who has Tiffany Haddish listed. So now, <laughs> well, now she, I have to keep it and we have to root for one Two of, of a kind. All right. Let's talk about Best Actor, uh, where we uh, last week we also saw Gary Oldman went to awards, same as Allison Janney. Uh, he's been the kind of anointed front runner the entire time. But then a lot of people kind of jumped off that bandwagon because he just didn't really pick up any critics awards, as far as I know, until the Critics' Choice Awards. Um, but his win to me at the Golden Globes and the, uh, the Critics' Choice just seemed kind of like a, a reset to the norm. Like, okay, you regional critics have had your fun. You've gone and picked other people. You've gone with Timothy Chalamet. Uh, but Gary Oldman's got this thing in the bag. Does it, does, does anyone else feel like um, this is still a race? I feel like no one is talking about this movie at all. And like, if Gary Oldman wins, it will have nothing, like almost nothing to do with the actual movie. Um, like people have heard and seen the trailers, maybe that he has like a chameleonic turn, et cetera, et cetera. And this is not me doing like a referendum on whether or not the movie's good. I know, Katie, that you will claw my eyes out if I say anything bad about Joe Wright, but like, it's baffling to me. I can't think of, I'm, I'm sure this happens, but I can't think of the last time like a best actor candidate was anointed for a movie that just no one is talking about you know i think maybe um last king of scotland is a oh, interesting yeah. example like that was kind of the forest whitaker show um and he wrote that thing all the way to yeah, the i think that ha- i mean it happens from time to time for sure i think that i've seen darkest hour twice second time with subtitles which is a much better way to go in case anybody wants a tip and he is pretty amazing I'm just concerned about the broader sort of environment right now. I just, you know, and it's Gary Oldman. There's just a few things from his past that have been sort of dealt with, but not super well dealt with. And I think they're going to come up and I don't, I just don't know how people are going to react. And and whereas Timothy Chalamet does have this kind of like it boy vibe happening this year, you know, it could be that people end up rooting for him. On the other hand, you know, some people might be annoyed that this guy came out of nowhere and is suddenly like the the cool guy on the scene and and so, you know, it's hard to say. I could I definitely think Gary Oldman has a strong chance of winning, but I could also see it not happening for reasons that don't have to do with the performance because the performance is is incredible. I mean, if you have seen it, that's the one that that's one of the things you take away. Yeah, and I I don't know, you know, the for whatever reason the the kind of Post Globes, uh, Me Too backlash uh, against James Franco didn't really seem to. I mean, it, Gary Oldman was trending on Twitter, and people were talking about past things about him. But it, it's the, the the focus seems to have you know uh, rested on Franco on the on these matters in terms of if we're going to audit potential Best Actor nominees. And you know, since I've been out here, every person I've talked to who's invested in this has the, the first thing they've asked me is Is James Franco going to get nominated at this point? With all this considered, and I. You know, I, I don't know any any better than anyone else does, but um, I just it just feels like to me uh, that the ballot that the pe- people probably voted to you know bef- before this had really kind of magnified to the point that everyone was aware of it. So I think he'll squeak in, and and I wonder you know with Oldman whether or not eventually that will kind of come that that glare will will sort of yeah. focus on yeah. Him. I don't know that Franco when you eliminate the comedy category, I don't know that Franco is as much of a sure shot. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like... I agree with you. I actually don't have him being nominated. Yeah, you've got a Daniel Day-Lewis performance that's hard to ignore. You've got Tom Hanks at the Post, which whether or not you want to do that, whatever. Daniel Kaluuya, which we're really hoping like he gets in there and stuff like that. So I don't know that like Franco, you know, like was a sure shot and then this this controversy came along and that hobbled him it's like he was somewhat of an outlier to begin with and then maybe this controversy would be enough to push him out of it entirely i had felt pretty confident that franco was going to get nominated until uh kind of all of this uh, you know new accusations came out against him which i think is part of why the it's stuck more with him than with Oldman. um but i agree with richard that i think it was too late and he's going to sneak in there and it's going to look weird okay best actress We've seen Frances McDormand kind of run all over this category since the Golden Globes. We've talked about how three billboards seems ascendant. It feels like her closest competition might be Saoirse Ronan, might be Sally Hawkins. There's a lot of love for Shape of Water out there. Um, we've Best Actress has been competitive all season. Um, does anyone feel super confident about how this is going to shake out? I, like of all the th- lessons to take from the Golden Globes, 
Um, in terms of three billboards and its ascendancy, I would take most seriously Francis McDormand, who I sort of like, want, like Rockwell was sort of like a front runner out of Toronto. And then I like foolishly sort of dismissed her. I was like, nope, three billboards is too problematic. It's buried. It's done. And then, you know, the world was like, nope, we love Francis McDormand. So, um, yeah, but the, you know, I, I know you're asking for about other nominees other than Francis. Yeah, I think she's a she's she's kind of the the eight hundred pound gorilla in this category. The big question is is Margot gonna get in or is Jessica Chastain yeah. gonna get in? Right, basically, basically we all expect it to be Francis, Saoirse, Sally, Merrill, if I may use their if I may presume to use their first name. <laughs> um, and then the question is Margot or Jessica? I th- it seems like everybody at this point kind of thinks Margot, right? I mean, does does anyone here think Jessica? I, Tanya seems to have way more heat behind it. Like, people yeah. are talking about that movie if, yeah. for Alice and Janney, if nothing else. I don't know what it is about Jessica Chastain that she, like, it's it's hard to make her... Well, she's been nominated I a couple know. times. It's, it's hard just... to make it, like, stick with just... Like, you see her in a movie, you're like, this is great. And then you walk away and it, like, doesn't come awards time. You're not like, yes, but it must. It must be Jessica Chastain. You know what I mean? It's almost like we take her talent for granted. Maybe. I think both of these movies, like, you know, people have their issues with them. I personally liked Itania a lot and didn't really think that Molly's Game worked. I guess that's the reason why I'm kind of rooting <laughs> or thinking Margot Robbie's going to win. Uh, and, and, and as with Three Billboards, like, whatever issues you may have politically with these, with Itania or with Three Billboards, like, they don't really reflect back on Francis McDormand or Mar- Margot Robbie, right? Both of them give these very powerful performances uh, that, that really kind of center these, these movies. So if anything, you know, it, it, they're almost stronger because the movies are, are sort of really dark and 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 potentially i don't know what complex i will say that like every time i talk trash on itania publicly (laughs) um i always say but she's great because she is but margot's great because she just unquestionably is great in that movie and in everything she does so i also think margot's got some like ingenue power behind her you know she broke out in wolf of wall street which was a big academy movie she hasn't been nominated before but she's been kind of this like you are our next big star for a while. And hey, Suicide Squad did make a ton of money. So it, it feels like there's an anointment that could happen for her, um, which also feels like it could happen with the Saoirse Ronan win. This would be her third nomination. Although, as we've talked about, Frances McDormand now seems super strong in that category. Well, Jessica has definitely, you know, been really vocal with the Time's Up stuff, which is great. And I think that there's a lot of support for that side of things. I just I think the movie is just not as good. Um, which is not her fault, but uh, I, I think that's I, personally. I think that's going to be the difference. There's a lone single solitary person in on Gold Derby who has Michelle Williams for all the money in the world. And I have to say, if this whole like pay disparity thing had broken like two weeks earlier, I think Michelle might have got in because of that alone. For you know. As, as you know, we we are always trying to be clear-eyed about, like, the narratives and the political reasons why people get nominated. It's not just down to performance. So, Michelle Williams is obviously a great performer. Someone else has, uh, well, Jeff Wells has Kate Winslet for Wonder Wheel, which is hilarious. So, um, woo! Yeah. <laughs> Talk about problematic. Um, okay, let's get toward wrapping this up. We can talk about Best Director, uh, which reflects a lot of the conversation we've been having about which films are on top. I think there's an, a question of whether Chris, poor Christopher Nolan finally gets his nomination, even though Dunkirk has kind of been fading. Um, I The thing that I've been hoping for all along is that both Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele get in. It seems like a lot of people think that will happen, uh, including you, Mike. Uh, you're, you're keeping yeah. the faith? Yeah, I mean... I, I yes, I hope so. I think that um, they're both really great, and I think that that Greta, you know, I, I I would love to see Greta get really considered for to win. Um, yeah, and then I personally I have it be as Greta Guillermo del Toro, who a lot of people think is going to win. Uh, Jordan Peele, Christopher Nolan, and and Steven Spielberg, just on the theory that you can't really leave Steven Spielberg out. But that those are. This this is definitely kind of mixed though. A lot of people have Martin McDonough. A lot of, some people have Luca uh, Guadagino from Call Me by Your Name. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Guadagnino, Guadagnino. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I I respect your predictions as always, but I I I don't see a, this category without uh, both McDonough and Guadagnino. Uh, I, I would be really surprised. So who do you think nominated. will be out then? Um, you think who, who do you think knocks that knocks out? I think I think Spielberg is is vulnerable because you know he didn't get nominated for Bridge of Spies. 
Um, I think also, you know, and then I then I really unfortunately think I think it's it's Gerwig and Peel kind of duking it out, possibly for a spot. So uh, I, I wish that weren't the case, but that's just kind of how it feels to me. But maybe maybe you're onto something, Katie. Maybe Christopher Nolan is less of a sure thing than than it seems because, like we've said, that movie, you know, it's sort of it's it's really cool. Yeah, I think I would I might take Mike's predictions of Gerwig, Del Toro, Peel, and Spielberg and swap out Nolan for McDonough and like that might be the list that you get. Um it, it's tough. I mean, yeah, and I think there's definitely some optimism in me hoping that uh, Greta Gerwig who is, you know, a first-time solo director and Jordan Peele is a first-time director, like both of them getting nominated would be pretty bold, but the d- director category has gone bold in recent years, you know, like Lenny Abramson gets his nomination for The Room. Like they definitely have different tastes than Best Picture, and I think maybe we can count on something a little exciting there because of that. Well, and I just I don't know. I just feel like apart from everything else, if Gerwig doesn't get nominated, it will be I, I I don't know. I guess I should I should remember that the directors uh, themselves nominated for this, and that that group probably is very 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 heavily male. But it just seems to me that in this year, with a movie that's had that much buzz and excitement around it, um, they would be remiss, frankly, in doing you know. And, and and I just don't think anybody wants to relive the Natalie Portman moment from the from the Golden Globes. <laughs> let's you know. Let's also re- remind ourselves that. This is the voting body that just last year nominated Mel Gibson for Best Director Oscar. Whoo! Yes, they so, did. Yeah, they're putting craft above all else, or whatever you want to say. Uh, who knows what they're doing? This is the branches nominations, and that branch in particular is a lot of old white guys. So we'll see. But I, 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 I wonder if our if our Gerwig hope is is uh, or, or our Jordan Peele hope. I don't know is is without merit because of the way that this particular group votes. But I, I'm curious how somebody like Mc mcdonough will fare though because he's really a writer right i mean it's kind of like it's it's like aaron sorkin is not is not in the mix this year um but i guess people think the movie is so great so i i don't know yeah but tom mccarthy was nominated for spotlight in 2015 and he's much more of a writer than he is a director so uh i think anyway Mm -hmm. it could be an interesting repeat where tom mccarthy gets nominated for director he wins for picture but loses to uh and uh you know similar thing could happen with mcdonough and del toro and these uh, these Mexican filmmakers, the three amigos, all wind up winning their Best Director Oscars within like five years of each other, which would be fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay, let's wrap up with Best Picture. Um, it's a 10-wide category, potentially. I don't think we've actually had 10 not- nominees since the category opened up to be a flexible between 5 and 10, which is kind of infuriating because it's confusing. I don't know, guys. Like, we've talked about the same movies a lot over and over again. Like, I think we all feel pretty good about Three Billboards, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, Get Out, and The Post getting in there. I feel good about Dunkirk. Anybody have any outliers or expected snubs? Yeah, I think that um, it's going to be Greatest Showman. I think that that's just going to come in. And just... <laughs> it's been waiting for its moment. Keela Settle gets to go accept the best picture. This is me, it will say. Keela. Are you being sarcastic? Because <laughs> yes. I, I was, okay. I was surprised. <laughs> I Honestly, I was surprised when I was in LA how much good their will there actually is for Grand Showman. What? I am telling you, I was surprised. Yeah, a lot of people like it. It's a hit and like people in LA are sort of like, well, we really like it. Like we like the spectacle of it. Like you just have to uh, like give yourself over to it. Whereas I like mostly talking to New York people all the time and with my own like sarcastic opinions, thought it was just like a big joke. But there's a lot of people in LA who like genuinely love it and are like pumping the soundtrack. I don't get it, but there it is. So, you know. This really reminds me of the passage in Michael Wolff's book where he explains why the New York media hates Trump so much. And it's because the New York media had already rejected him. And then he decided to go to L.A. and become a um, TV star. And L.A. embraced him. And that's why he's the president. So maybe Greatest Showman will win Best Picture (laughs) and eat 15 cheeseburgers a day. Um, I guess I'm like in terms of heartbreaks in here, like I'm bracing myself for maybe a Florida product project yeah. shutout. Um, I've kind of been like in, in the very beginning, I was saying like, oh, either that or Lady Bird gets in because they're both um, A24 movies. I think Lady Bird is much stronger now. Um, but that one feels more on the fringe than say Call Me By Your Name, which is kind of the other critically beloved RD movie. But, you know, that that could be a tough one. And then, you know, I, Tanya might sneak in there instead. You can, you can see some weird things happen in the kind of bottom half of the category. Some people have Wonder Woman uh, making it, which would be kind of cool. Um, a lot more people than I would expect have the big sick on here, so maybe that'll happen. 
same with Mudbound, which is interesting. And um, as much as we've kind of talked about how Netflix has been uh, problematic with the way it releases big features like that, uh, that would be exciting. Yes, for sure. Phantom Thread is a ghost of a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) A phantom, one might say. A wisp. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that, that Sean Baker should be like too crushed if Florida Project doesn't get in because it's so like... His rise here is so meteoric, and like if Willem Dafoe either wins or at least is like in the final two of nominations, like that's a big win for Sean Baker, um, in terms of this tiny movie that can, you know what I mean? So, I hope it does get in there. I really, really loved it, but I, I don't, I, I don't think it would be like a miscarriage of justice if it didn't. Here's a crazy idea. So, if if Florida Project did get nominated for Best Picture. Is there any way that Sean Baker could swing in and get that Lenny Abramson nomination? Totally, totally. Like he's won some prizes this year. I mean, critics prizes. I don't know. It could be interesting. No, that that could be interesting. And especially if he like bumps out Greta Gerwig or Jordan Peele, you'd see a lot of critical uh, hand-wringing about, you know, we like all of them. We can't be too mad. If ladies and non-white people are still not invited to the director nomination category, then Sean Baker could definitely get in there. So I think basically we strongly feel that Three Billboards, Shape of Water, Get Out, Lady Bird, and Dunkirk are all definitely going to be nominated for Best Picture. And then and then beyond that, right? That's basically five. And then there's another probably four slots and there's like 10 movies are, uh, vying for those four slots. I don't know. I feel like The Post and, and Call Me By Your Name definitely are going to get in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that is... A good prediction, but I think if either of them got like, I think it's possible for either of them to get. I mean, it, let's be honest, it's possible for any of them to get snubbed. This year's been crazy. Who yeah. knows what my, the greatest showman's going to win everything? I am the greatest showman who has ever lived. Okay, <laughs> this metaphor oh. is going to end all of us. <laughs> <laughs> So before we go, Richard, uh, we wanted to hear what you've got your eye on for when you head up to Park City for the Sundance Film Festival. It's where, as we know from Call Me By Your Name, a lot of the Best Picture nominations or Best Picture buzz can emerge. But uh, does it feel like that's going to happen this year or is it going to be more of kind of an, an indie standard year? By the time this airs, I should have a kind of preview up. And because we're just really cynical people, half of that preview is just like, what's going to be oscar And I don't see maybe... A Call Me By Your Name or Manchester by the Sea, like that seems so destined for future awards glory in this year's lineup of films. But there are a few things that I'm I'm kind of watching. I think that the biggest thing at the moment might be uh, a movie that we already have a trailer for, which is called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, directed by Gus Van Sant. I don't know if you guys saw that trailer. I haven't yet, no. I did not watch the trailer, but I saw a lot of people talking about it as kind of like Sundance the movie. It is in a way, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like about a guy struggling with alcoholism and a disability. And, you know, it seems like it's sort of a dramedy, sort of half sad, half funny. But anyway, you know, it stars Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, and Rudy Mara, all three of whom have Oscar nominations in their past. The Gus Van Sant factor is a kind of an unknown because he hasn't had the best past few years, but you know, he has directed two actors to, to Oscar wins in the past. So, and, and the trailer actually is pretty effective. So, so that one uh, suddenly after seeing the trailer kind of shot up my list. And then, uh, you know, I was out here in Los Angeles uh, in the, in the offices uh, that we have out here talking with our colleagues, uh, particularly Nicole Sperling about, you know, she'll be at Sundance with me doing some reporting. So she was sharing with me her notes from from people she talked to already who'd seen things in advance of the festival. And the one that we kept hearing, much to my surprise in a way, was Colette with Kira Knightley. Uh, it's a biopic about the, the famed French author from the early 20th century. And it's directed by Wash Westmoreland, who is half of the directing debut. Sadly, his husband, who co-directed with him, uh, passed away. Uh, th- but they directed Still Alice with, uh, with Julianne Moore, which won her an Oscar. Um, uh, and every time that Nicole spoke to somebody about like what they had seen and, and thought was going to be good, this movie Colette kept coming up. So even though you don't think of Sundance as being a big period piece biopic kind of festival, there this one is. Well, and Keira Knightley had the big cover of Variety, I think, this week. So it's the one that clearly they're putting a lot of chips on. Does it have a distributor already? Uh, that I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. So clearly they're expecting to get one from from there. So Richard, does it feel like star power once again is going to be the thing that really drives what's happening at Sundance, or are we, uh, are we like anticipating some kind of beast of the Southern Wild to come out of nowhere? I mean, I guess when you're when you're eyeballing it, you really only have star power to go on. 
Yeah, that's kind of the the peril of predicting Sundance stuff because really what that festival, you know, at its best is known for is the stuff that comes out of nowhere. But the, the truth of the matter is it doesn't nothing really ever comes out of nowhere. There's always some sort of whispering before the festival even about something that doesn't have any famous people in it. So part of the preview that I did was also trying to look at the smaller stuff and who knows whether that means it's awardsy or if it's just going to be really good. You know, a promising thing is that Deborah Granick, who made Winter's Bone 8 years ago, uh, has her latest film I think it's her first since then and you know while ben foster is one of the leads in it and he's a known name there's another she found another young teenage girl like she did jennifer lawrence uh, to be in that so maybe that you know that actress named thomason harcourt mckenzie could break out um i've been hearing really exciting things about a comedy called sorry to bother you uh which stars lakeith stanfield and tessa thompson names we know also army hammer another name we know especially this year um but the director a guy named boots riley is a first-time uh writer director so you know maybe that could be a breakout for him it, it seems like it's kind of a, a very dark interesting comedy Oh, and then there's this movie called Never Going Back, which uh, Nicole Sperling has seen, I believe, and really liked. And um, that stars two actresses and sounds a bit like a, a Spring Breakers-esque thing, but maybe with kind of a tweak. And, and that feels very Sundancey. y uh, And the director has made three shorts before. Her name is Augustine Frizzell, which is a perfect name. Uh, mm. She's made three shorts before, but not this is her first feature. And, um, you know, her actors are new. So... So, you know, I'll be on the lookout for that, but also kind of attending to the celebrity stuff. I have to see Rupert Everett playing Oscar Wilde. I have to see John Hamm and his Middle Eastern thriller. You know, I'll, I'll see all that stuff too, but um, hopefully I'll have some time. And I think I've made some time to, uh, to check out the, uh, the, the less heralded fair. So Richard, next time we talk to you, we'll be busy in Oscar nominations. But then uh, by the time sentence is over, I think we'll have a, a really interesting picture of at least some of the year ahead. So uh, we'll check in with you, I guess, in two weeks about uh, what shakes out at this high altitude and then how many of these we can uh, make fun of you for loving when they debut at sea level and nobody likes them. But chances are that like 90% happens. of them. <laughs> So uh, we'll be back on Tuesday after these nominations come out where we uh, wring our hands about how wrong we were. We'll also be publishing predictions. Uh, I'm going to be so wrong. I, sorry, can I just say, I'm going to say it right now. I've never felt less confident about my predictions, which are terrible. Well, we'll have written predictions up on BF.com soon so you can see us all. Uh, everyone, you know, those of us who have been kind of waffling on this podcast have to put some predictions in stone so you can uh, tell us how wrong we are. Um, so come back and listen to us on Tuesday to try to make sense of what actually happens. In the meantime, find us all at VanityFair.com, our Oscar predictions, and much more. Keep tweeting at us at LittleGoldMen. We love hearing from you. And you can find us all on Twitter. I'm at Katie Rich. Mike? Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard? Rylaws. And Joanna? Joe wrote this. And this week's award for the general vibe given off by Mike Hogan's Gold Derby predictions goes to Mike Hogan. This guy came out of nowhere and is suddenly like the, the cool guy on the scene. This episode was edited and produced by Danielle Roth. And thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. 